But thanks for tuning in, and to all, good night and go blue. Let's get it started in here. Let's get it started. Let's get it started in here. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Only six seconds left, and then Chad Kowarik will be released. Six seconds of power play time remaining. Henson was thrown out of the uh, face-off circle because Desch went over to shout instructions to Glort. Thank you for listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. If you'd like to contact the sports department, please email us at sports at WCBN.org or call the station at 734-763-3500. Pass comes forward. Here's Hensick. Now to Kaloric. He's behind the defense. He's in. Shot and score. Chad Kaloric out of the penalty box gives the Wolverines a 4 nothing lead. Let's get it started here. Let's get it started. Let's get it started This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets, swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy black. Shift lingwals, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room, towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Tilt, blast, pound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off. Back. Return to base immediately. Ride music beam back to base. Stay out of that time, Black. All pilots, ride pan pipes back to base. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And Thanksgiving week is upon us. Yeehaw. It's always one of my favorite holidays. Probably because it's secular. Yeah, and there's no uh, mad rush to buy a bunch of presents. It's just sort of uh, a casual. A lot of food preparation, of course. But uh, other than that, a little bit of travel. No real special out-of-the-ordinary adjustments. It's good to get the downtime, though. Yeah, and for Michigan fans, it's good that the football season's over. Yeehaw. That's, yeah, that's go pain- blue, they said, but where? Painful to watch. There's always next year, and I don't think Rodriguez is going to be fired, but I think he, I think there is, the sand is, is ticking for him. I think he's got two years. And well, How long uh, is his contract for, anyway? Well, there's a dispute about that. It's either five or six years, but... Uh, I guess luckily for Michigan, uh, Notre Dame is in uh, maybe even more turmoil, so they're likely to change their coach, so he might be able to win in Notre Dame next year, and that should uh, be sort of a reprieve, at least for a couple of games, but he's got to figure out how to beat the Purdue's and the Illinois of the Big Ten. Who had ever thought uh, that would be Michigan's problem? But it's pretty scary when we go from kind of a top ten program nationwide to can't even get into the top ten in the Big Ten. <laughs> how the mighty have fallen. 
Well, and although, of course, it's a big revenue generator for the U of M, I don't know if they're going to be able to pay off those luxury booths they've tacked onto the top of the stadium this year. Um, the irony is that it's ostensibly all for entertainment purposes, but clearly it's also big business. Big business, and maybe they need to figure out uh, additional uses for Michigan Stadium besides just uh, yeah, that's 68 football games and uh, graduation. Anyway, let's get a Kiss concert in there. That would. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready to rock? Yeehaw. Detroit rock and roll. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously interesting that the procedural vote passed in the Senate. Obviously, the health care bill is still months away from actually uh, materializing in anything that can get this off Obama's agenda. At least the Democrats hung together on this one, but uh, this is going to be a messy sausage-making process and ultimately may still come down to these uh, filibuster issues uh, in the Senate. And regardless of how it turns out, the bill is obviously going to be very flawed, and uh, it's it's very unfortunate because this is a real problem that's uh, demagoguery has been used to uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, trivialize the significance of the issue. And just for factual uh, uh, records, there's more than a million and a half people that have become uninsured in the last year. So the problem doesn't go away. The status quo isn't going to work. And uh, unfortunately, the reform bill will, will un unfortunately be somewhat flawed. But... Uh, at least maybe Obama can get this off his agenda, and he can move on to more troubling things like Afghanistan. Which really doesn't show any sign of improving. I think the decision to not make a decision was probably the only real decision available. Um, I draw listeners' attention to a recent article in uh, the latest Harper's Magazine, and this is the uh, December '09 edition. It's an article by Matthew Akins called The Master of Spin Bull Dock, Undercover with Afghanistan's Drug Trafficking Border Police. This is a fairly remarkable article about a guy who traveled alone to the region with, you know, some language skills and uh, befriended a couple of guys who really very openly expose uh, to him the easy transport between Afghanistan and Pakistan, the one guy says, oh, yeah, you know, I personally take uh, about two tons of opium uh, across into uh, Pakistan a couple times a year. So um, it's pretty free and easy up there. The corruption, the warlord uh, sectors, um, it's just a big old mess. And uh, a couple of dozen uh, thousand more U.S. troops are really not going to do anything to uh, eradicate these problems. Yeah, in fact, there's supposedly going to be a big strategy slash bull session tonight on the issue at the White House with uh, the significant players of the uh, Obama administration. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be having any turkey, but uh, they should think of Afghanistan as a turkey. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting that even in today's New York Times, the analysis by Elizabeth Boomiller, who covers the White House, you know, just basically shows the three options available to Obama. And by the way, the, if he puts 40,000 troops in, which is the McChrystal uh, plan, he's the uh, basically the Afghan uh, military commander in charge. Um, that would allegedly leave the United States with about 20,000 total troops available for, quote, any other military emergency. This is how badly the American military at, at one level is broken. But it's interesting in her analysis, she just points out that if the United States puts the 40,000 troops in, she writes the military would have enormous flexibility to de deploy as many as 15,000 troops uh, to the Taliban center of gravity in the south, 5,000 to the critical eastern border, and 10,000 as trainers for Afghan security forces. If, however, Mr. Obama limited any additional troops to 10 to 15,000, the military um, would deploy them largely as trainers, with some reinforcements likely in the southern province uh, near Kandahar. And she outlines the three scenarios, and it just shows that these three options are really not all that promising in any way, shape, or form, other than maybe doing some additional training. The training itself, though, becomes suspect when you ask, you know, how many of these 10,000 trainers have any language skills? Exactly. And are you relying on the ability of the Afghani forces to speak English? Uh, probably the odds are better of that than any of these uh, Army uh, personnel being trained uh, speakers in Pashto. Um, the estimated number of Soviet troops, by the way, in 1986, at the height of their invasion, was 120,000. We're nearing that, and uh, we will be nearing that should this, you know, McChrystal plan be uh, instigated. Um, we all know what the Soviets accomplished with 120,000 guys in Afghanistan. Nothing. Yeah, and the and the cost is incredible. I think I read uh, at uh, this point. Um the United States has spent about $225 billion on Afghanistan alone, which is, you know, close to a quarter of a trillion dollars. And we wonder, uh, in, the, uh, in the context of the health care debate, where the Republicans are talking about how are we going to pay for this. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, how are we going to pay for this? Um, Bush, of course, put supplemental um, appropriations uh, monies for Afghan and uh, Iraqi uh, wars, quote, off budget, as if that means something. Uh, that's sort of like... Uh, pay for it with coupons. Sweeping the dust under the rug and yeah. hoping that the dust is somehow gone, but it isn't. And uh, I think that, you know, the the problem for, for Obama is if that he escalates much, much more here, and he's obviously already sent more troops. I mean, he's being criticized on the right for, quote, dithering, but the dithering was really the entire Bush uh, approach to yeah. Afghanistan. And, of course, the people making the accusations of dithering are, are Palin and Cheney, a mighty duo, a <laughs> dynamic duo, perhaps the dream ticket for the Republican <laughs> Party. Well, I, know, I knew Ronald Reagan, and Sarah Palin is no Ronald Reagan. Uh, just to dispense with her briefly, she's continuing her book tour. I'm obviously never going to read this book. It sounds like a uh, work of uh, self-aggrandizement uh, combined with fiction. 
score settling and uh, doesn't sound like it's really going to do much for her career other than money. She's going to make some money. Right. Well, that's what it's all about at the end of the day for her, I think. Um, and she's going to, of course, uh, soothe her own wounded ego. But these comparisons that she's making to Reagan and some people in the media are making to Reagan are really kind of absurd. Uh, while I was no fan of Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan paid his dues in the Republican Party. He campaigned for Nixon in 1960. He was doing speeches uh, throughout his career. In fact, he got involved politically, so to speak, back in the uh, McCarthy era as the uh, president of the Screen Actors Guild, in which he testified to Congress about the dangerous infiltration of communism. And, of course, he began to develop a sort of obsessive ideology about that. But this guy paid his dues in the Republican Party, stumping for mainstream Republicans for a good two decades yeah. before he ever even ran for president. Remember that in 68 he was actually a favorite son in the uh, Republican uh, nomination battle, and he ended up finishing third in the in the delegate uh, votes. Uh, I think they might have had that convention in San Francisco, but don't quote me on that. And then, of course, he ran in 76. So my point is, is that he was in it for the long haul, and the idea that Palin is some sort of reincarnation of either Reagan or William Jennings Bryan, <laughs> another comparison that I've heard, is, is kind, no of, kind of ludicrous. That's bizarre. Well, it's the populism thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once again, J William Jennings Bryan was known as a tremendous orator for his day, uh, a fiery speaker. Palin doesn't have any of that. She's all makeup and bluster, blinking. Or winking. Squinty blinking. Who knows what she's got going for her as a national candidate. And her problem is she, uh, you know, when the going got tough in Alaska, she got going. So yeah. I just realistically don't think there's any uh, serious notion that she would be um, a real contender. I think that she could be a disruptor. That's the thing that would be interesting. And uh, time will tell. But. Well, the mini tempest in the teapot over the photo on the cover of Newsweek that she apparently thought was being taken for Runner's World, where she's wearing some somewhat skimpy jogging outfit. Uh, I've heard discussions about this in, in other places, and uh, people say, oh, she looks pretty good. There's, there's no problem there. But uh, if that's your cup of tea, uh, that's all very well and good. But She's going to end up doing a Playboy photo spread, and the question will – she's going to tear the Republican Party further apart because the section of the Republicans who think that you know she might be okay are, of course, going to be turned to the Christian, uh, our Christian sent, uh, sect of the Republican Party. We can call them a sect. Um, will, I think, become more and more horrified with her mm -hmm. and her egotism and her flashiness. And uh, if this Playboy thing happens, which I predict very strongly will, uh, well, then she's finished as far as the religious right is concerned. Oh, yeah. Well, and her son-in-law-to-be, who's obviously not going to become her son-in-law, <laughs> is uh, apparently already pulled the shorts off, and he's making an appearance in some gaudy magazine. Yeah. And so... With the quote, I've got the goods on her, whatever that means, uh, one can only imagine. Um, the comedy is likely to continue, but the serious politics, I don't think we're ever really there.
No, and uh, the, the the book tour aside, I think that just, the, I don't know, the trajectory over one week shows that there are lots of problems that she has even within the Republican Party now uh, with this book. This book probably shouldn't have been written at this time, and it's obviously uh, designed to make money, not uh, reveal any weighty ideas like Ronald Reagan might have had. And uh, we, 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 if longtime listeners know what we actually think of Mr. Reagan's weighty ideas, but at least Reagan had them. At least yeah. he did some reading, some writing, some stumping. Uh, he worked within, the, and, and let's also remember, Reagan was governor of California. That's one-fifth of the electoral votes you need to get pres- yeah. you know, elected president. Alaska is a safe Republican seat with three electoral votes. Um, it's not quite as safe as Wyoming or Utah, but uh, it's no base to run for the presidency. California is a legitimate yeah. political power base, so there, there's one other significant difference uh, that uh, Palin and her supporters seem to be ignoring. But, yes, definitely watch out for uh, Matthew Continenti and— uh, Rich, uh, oh, what's his name? Rich Lowry, the 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 editor of National Review. They're her two big, oh, young young men that have cr- man crushes on Sarah Palin, <laughs> obviously. Well, because Lowry's uh, famous analysis of the debate was uh, that he quote sat up in his seat. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. When he thought that Palin was winking at him. Yeah. Well, there was that bizarre maneuver in the vice presidential debate where for the first time in my recollection, the cameras moved in a sort of a 360-degree circle around the candidates. And mm-hmm. so there were all sorts of shots from behind the candidates. Oh, to, to accentuate Biden going bald and probably and, you know, and Palin's hemline. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So that was bizarre, and it was, you know, if that was anybody's setup, um, it was an obvious distractor and, and likely to make uh, a fellow like Lowry there uh, sit up and take notice. Sit up and take notice. Yes, indeedy. And uh, I think uh, Palin probably needs to sit down and, and uh, take notice. <laughs> take some notes. Read some papers. Yeah. And her reading list is, uh, well, turns out to be extensive. The local news, some website, and the Wall Street Journal. But uh, I kind of wonder if the Wall Street Journal actually accurately reports on the consequences of Reaganomics as far as our current uh, perilous budget situation actually is in. And uh, it's interesting that today's New York Times shows how far the debt went up while Reagan was president, how it came down while Clinton was president, and then how it mm-hmm. went right back up uh, as George Bush followed the uh, playbook of Ronald Reagan. Well, cut taxes, increase military spending. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. Which increases the deficit. So you, I mean, you know, the deficits have been created by this kind of naive notion that Reaganomics borrowed from um, a very questionable economist named Jude Wininsky, who came up with the so-called, uh, he was one of the advocates of it, but uh, the Laffer curve, just uh, n- the other economist is 
I've never believed the apocryphal stories about it, that it was created on the nap uh, on a napkin at some uh, eatery in in Washington D.C. I, I just don't think that the graph was. Uh, I think the guy had too many martinis and wasn't able to actually read his graph the next day because uh, you may cut taxes and increase defense spending, but that is not going to create either economic growth or reduce deficits. It's going to increase deficits. It may create a little blip in some jobs in the defense sector, but as we've uh, discovered over these many years, defense spending is capital-intensive, not uh, uh, labor-intensive. There's tremendous waste uh, in the Pentagon, and uh, most of America's accumulated uh, deficit is, is a direct result of the Cold War and the unwillingness to raise taxes to pay for it. Ronald Reagan, of course, was a highly paid individual back in the late 40s and 50s when he was that uh, great actor out there in Hollywood. He probably did think he was paying uh, too much in taxes, but that was the those were the Eisenhower years. This was the massive Cold War buildup yeah. that was occurring when the government wasn't running massive deficits, when it was actually reducing the deficit. Um, so Reagan did decrease... Uh, tax rates on the wealthy and redistributed wealth quite nicely here in the United States of America. But uh, he did not create uh, robust economic growth. He did not reduce the deficits as promised. And uh, he certainly um, did increase payroll taxes, um, which is just a factual, it's a fact. It, this, yeah. this happened uh, with Alan Greenspan uh, heading the Social Security Commission in 1983. Greenspan also was conveniently on the job uh, rescuing uh, Ronald Reagan when the stock market collapsed in 87 with easy money, mm-hmm. create postponing the bubble and these, uh, these sort of structural problems that the American economy still has and uh, will probably likely endure for quite some time because I suspect that the economic recovery will be very weak for many years and then we get into the demographics problem involving the baby boomers real problems i don't think sarah palin has any real answers for america's real problems other than drill baby drill well that's not an answer no it's not even a very good bumper sticker um it's just a little too ambiguous but um I mean, now we have a president who reads, who thinks, who pauses, who deliberates, and who is, as you say, apparently having a uh, session to discuss Afghanistan tonight. Even with this scenario, it's still incredibly difficult to resolve these numerous uh, outstanding problems that are wasting the country's money and resources. Yes. Um, So even in a best-case scenario, uh, undoing the... uh, decades of damage is incredibly tenuous uh, work. Yeah, and I think that with Obama, with the four big problems that he has, his political strategy really needs to be, you know, get this health care thing through one way or another, flawed as it is, we'll work on improving it somewhere down the road. In fact, my understanding of the bill is, you know, in its loose form at the moment is nothing's really going to, in terms of reform, is going to even happen for several years. So it's Mm. kind of a kick the can down the road uh, event as it is, but get it off the agenda. There's just too much uh, hot air being uh, wasted on the health care debate and, and, uh, you know, come up with the final 
withdrawal plan for Iraq, obviously he's going to own any further escalation of the war in Afghanistan and then focus on the economy, which mm -hmm. is what, uh, you know, there's lots of problems uh, that, that uh, confront us. And these, like I say, really are not Obama's making, but uh, he's the man in charge, even though he's only been there 10 months. Yeah, and uh, reading from the Harper's Index here, uh, percentage change since President Obama's inauguration and in the number of U.S. troops in Iraq, negative 16. So there have been some positive changes there. Um, we need to apply that same uh, thought to Afghanistan. That is a complete no-win situation. And actually, while I'm looking at the index and we've been talking about Reagan, I'll quickly mention this following statistic. Minimum amount the U.S. military has spent since 1985 on attempts to develop a missile shield, $150 trillion. Wow. Factor by which this exceeds oh, spending... Oh, that's got to be billion, right? Billion, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. $150 billion, still. Still. <laughs> plenty uh, big. Plenty big. $150 billion. I'm a lit major. Numbers uh, confuse me. So all those zeros there. $150 billion. Yeah, it always helps if they would put it in scientific notation. Yeah. It's, it's, you see so many zeros and you... It's a whole lot of zeros. A whole lot of zeros. <laughs> but uh, to follow that one up, factor by which this exceeds spending on the Apollo moon landing and the Manhattan Project combined, adjusted for inflation, five. Well, whatever you think of the Apollo moon landings and whatever the ethical ambiguities of the Manhattan Project were, at least those projects had results. Yeah. There were tangible results. And so... Uh, we got something for our money, in other words. Even hitting the moon with a, with, a, with a spaceship had some results. Some results. We discovered that there's water there. What have we gotten for the $150 billion that we've been spending on a missile shield? You know, I have no idea. Yeah, and, uh, and the thing is is that ostensibly the missile shield is, is uh, at this point— Star Wars, as Reagan called it. Yeah, well, and it's being perpetuated now because of this— Kind of silly notion that North Korea is going to fire missiles at us, but uh, they can't even seem to get missiles past Japan. So they are the mouse that roared. They are pesky, uh, run by a lunatic, but... Uh, with a Daffy Duck complex. With a Daffy Duck complex and apparently in failing health. But uh, I suspect at some point, uh, like Germany, uh, was one of the uh, areas of so-called Western victory in the Cold War that at some at some day at some time I think Korea will be reunified under a South Korean concept mm. uh, with the North uh, eventually collapsing from its own petard as they say yeah but it's yeah 150 billion for Star Wars uh, which uh, you know has has never technically you know the 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 actual technical results from the testing has always been flawed it's been sort of a fixed test and uh it's so it's good for mcdonald douglas and lockheed and yeah. various aerospace research uh sectors of the military industrial complex but as far as tangible results for you know regular americans nothing yeah, and as Chuck Spinney, uh, a uh, Pentagon critic, pointed out, the Pentagon during the Reagan years never, ever uh, fulfilled the laws requiring auditing 
Um, mm. As he put it, 14 of the 15 departments never officially had audited budgets that were properly uh, maintained except for the Veterans Department. And uh, that's frightening that, that there's so much loose spending in the Pentagon and uh, so much of it's, frankly, quite wasted money. Uh, it's interesting how the hue and cry, by the way, over ACORN, you know, recently. Uh, yeah. Um, they receive government money. Yeah. It turned out to be something like $3 million. Um, compare that to the outrages involving Blackwater or toilet seats or $1.1 trillion uh, never accounted for properly during the Reagan years in the Pentagon. Um, or even this, um, Dateline uh, November 17th, caterer to U.S. troops in Iraq faces fraud charges. The U.S. government has charged the main food supplier to troops in Iraq, the recipient of more than $8.5 billion in contracts, with systematically overcharging for burgers, chicken, and crustaceans, among other products. And $3 million over acorn. Okay, the acorn abuses were improper. But $3 million as opposed to $8.5 billion of ripoffs for burgers, chicken, and crustaceans. Yeah, and, and uh, Jeremy Scahill, just crazy. to quote from the October 12th edition of The Nation, points out that Blackwater may owe the government $55 million uh, for allegedly failing to meet the terms of just one of its federal contracts. Uh, they have received $217 million in security contracts in Iraq. Um, and uh, we now know, for instance, that um, Pfizer um, just settled a, quote, $2.3 billion fraud settlement with the Justice Department for its illegal promotion of painkiller Bextra and other drugs. According to federalspending.org, Pfizer had more than $73 million in federal contracts in 2007 alone. So when it comes to um, corporations that rip off taxpayers, uh, the outrage in Congress seems to be a lot less. wonder why. Disturbing. Uh, it's just, you know, good old-fashioned uh, chicanery and, and, and fraud. Yeah, and chicken nuggets. <laughs> chicken nuggets. Yeah, it says here in this article by uh, Daniel Dombey in uh, the aforementioned date, Financial Times, that um, the vendor reduced the size of hamburger packages so as to increase the number of units, and hence distribution costs, failing to ensure a reasonable price for lobsters, which they were buying at well over cost per pound. Because, you know, the government's right in the check. Who cares if we're paying more for lobsters? Why are we feeding lobsters to the troops in Iraq anyway? That whole enterprise was bizarre. The idea that, and you know, it's nice, I suppose, to create the illusion of home for troops who miss their families and in their downtime could go to the Taco Bell in the green zone. But, I mean, the World War II soldiers uh, who fought for freedom, the greatest generation, as Tom Brokaw called them, they weren't wandering around going, well, where can I, where's a McDonald's? You right. know, there's no McDonald's here in France. Yeah, they had K-rations. 
By the way, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor and Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. By the way, the record uh, actually for Acorn and its affiliates have received on average about 3.5 million a year from the government or approximately 